G'day and welcome to On The Road. My name's Scott Gibbons and On The Road is your show. It's a show where we, we travel, we go all around this great nation of ours, we talk about caravans, we talk about motorhomes, we talk about tents, places we can go, places we can see, places we can enjoy and it's just a fun show. So if you're ready to go on the road, I'm ready to go on the road, let's go on the road together, here we go. Hey, it is Scott Gibbons, and we are on the road, but I'm not on the road on this trip at the moment, but I'm looking at it. Oh, yeah, and you're going to look at it too, I would reckon. It's on a site called holidayswithkids.com.au, written by Natasha Brown, and it's just a terrific article. It's 12 tips for crossing the Simpson Desert, and she tells you the do's and don'ts of crossing the world's largest sand dune desert. So in The Simpsons, it's not about where the road leads, it's about being on the road in the first place because it's an age-old cliche, isn't it? It's, it's about the journey, it's not the destination. And this has never rung more true than what she's telling us now. So there's four days in the desert and there's nothing quite as marvellous, she said, as a toilet at the end of it that you don't have to dig. <laughs> I think that's a great line. So... The, the Australian deserts, they had to be explored by the Europeans by camel in 1936, and the first vehicle went across in 1962. Now, it's at the top of the bucket list for many four-wheel drivers. So thousands of people cross this expanse of land every year, or this expanse of desert. And the, the dawn of the satellite phone means that you can now get help. If you're in dire needs, you can now get help. So it's not the same stress as it used to be. But one of the suggestions is to travel west to east because the main route across the Simpson is between Dalhousie Springs and Birdsville on the French line. And it's possible to drive in either direction, but it's easier to drive from west to east. And the reason for that's super simple. The wind that forms the dunes comes from the west and that results in the western side of the dunes being a gentler slope while the eastern side is much steeper and obviously more difficult to climb. Now, you need a high-clearance four-wheel drive. You've got to have low-range capability, and it's not a place for just a, a normal four-wheel drive or a soft rotor. You need to have something that's a little bit serious. And make sure your mechanic gives you a thorough clearance check all the way through before you start, and do tell them that you're going to be doing a Simpson Crossing, because that's really important. The other thing that they say is so important is to... Make sure that it's just your four-wheel drive that goes with you. Don't try and take a trailer with you because um, you're going over 1,100. Think about that, 1,100 dunes. So that's challenging enough with your four-wheel drive, let alone trying to drag a trailer up and over and all the extra revving and all the tyre spinning that, that's going to make it happen. It's going to be harder on you, harder on your vehicle, hard on the trailer and as they observe, there's lots of trailers out there that are just left there because the cost to go and collect your trailer is just more than your trailer's worth. So there you go. There's a hint for you. So when's the best time to travel? Well, between April and October. So you can either do it this year or start planning for next year. Hopefully we can do it. And when daytime temperature costs are, are, are more comfortable and the nights are clear and you can enjoy the best views and you'll see the Milky Way and you I don't think you'll be able to count the number of stars because <laughs> I think they're countless. But the crossing is actually closed between December 1 and the 15th of March due to the extreme heat. So... There you go. They, they shut that down. It's not just COVID that shuts things down. <laughs> you can even shut down the desert. 
So then you've got to buy a pass. So if you're coming through any of the South Australian parks and, and deserts, then you've got to buy a South Australian Parks and Wildlife Service pass. Very important. Now, the other thing you've got to buy is a sand flag. So what is a sand flag? Well, it is what it is. The, the flag has to be 300 by 290 millimetres. It's got to be either fluorescent red, orange, or a lime yellow, green in colour. It's got to be 3.5 metres from the ground level. So if it's mounted on the front of your bull bar, that's just terrific because you will see why you need it very quickly. Because when another vehicle's coming up the other side of a dune and you're coming up this side of the dune, the first thing you're going to see is the flag. And so they're mandatory. You've got to have those. Otherwise, you, you know, you, you're trying to avoid head-on collisions, and that's what those flags are for. So really good. Then you've got to fuel up. So depending upon which route you intend to take and the location of your last fuel stop, then you'll need enough fuel to travel somewhere between six to 800K. Now, remember that because you're using sand, because you're using maybe a lot of low range, and because you're doing the dunes and the climbs, then you're going to be using more fuel. So... You know, you've either got to have a long-range tank with you or take some extra fuel-safe jerry cans with you because you need to pre-plan your fuel. There is no fuel stops out there. And then you've got to put some miles on your tyres. So make sure that you've got good tyres. Good tyres. You might even want to take some extra spares with you because and you need all terrains, of course. So Because you're going to be digging in. You need a great compressor. Not a good compressor. You need a great compressor because you're going to be using it. You're going to be using it. You need a good punch or repair kit. And then it's about your spare parts. So talk to your manufacturer's dealer and find out what you need. Because you're going to need some extra fluid, such as engine oil and gear oil and brake fluid and and coolant. You'll need some coolant because that won't go astray. Uh, Maybe you need some epoxy ribbon or some paste for small leaks and things like that. You'll need some spare fuses and hoses and belts and fuel filters. So you need to be prepared. And it's not just buying those stuff. You've got to learn what to do with them, how to use them. And again, with your toolkit, make sure your toolkit has the right. So don't just go and buy a toolkit and think, ah, oh, I've got some nice shiny silver tools. No, you've got to make sure they're the right size for the parts that are on your vehicle. Not much fun having a lovely shiny toolkit if it's the wrong size. <laughs> then you've got to tune into UHF channel 10. So if you've got a UHF radio and you've got to have a UHF radio, then tune it on channel 10 so that you can communicate with other vehicles, whether they're approaching. Um, and so you can just you can keep a call out for the, the other vehicles as well. Good idea to have at least one form of satellite communication because there's no facilities, there's no services, there's no mobile phone reception between Dalhousie Springs and Birdsville. So that's about 420k. So, you know, if something goes wrong, um, carry a satellite phone, carry a sat communicator such as Spot Tracker or a Garmin in reach so that you're not going to get caught unawares. And then the last thing, which I think is a pretty good one, <laughs> don't forget the nibblies, <laughs> don't forget your snacks, carry at least seven litres of water per person per day, some emergency food, some emergency water as well for another seven days, just in case. But the nibblies, they're a good idea. So there you go. And then you've got to work out which, which track is the best for you. You're going to do the, the, the French line, uh, you're going to do the rig road is the best for the large vehicles. You, know, you choose which one. You've got the Manigan line, you've got the Colson track. You do your own research on that. But I think you're going to have a good time. Now, one of the things you will need uh, is, is to make sure that you've got some plenty of music with you. You've got to have music. You've got to have music with you. I, 
we always love our music on the show, don't we? We do. We do. So what about we have the little heroes one perfect day? Because one perfect day, you're going to be going across that desert. I think that's a good idea. So here we go. The little heroes one perfect day. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. It's great being on the road with you. One perfect day, we'll be out walking. Something is calling me. This perfect day, I can't stop thinking Are you over there? Are you happy there? And tell me, if I still Still writing there in England 
Oh, One Perfect Day. Don't you love that song? One Perfect Day. It just means so much, especially during the times of COVID, because we're all looking for that perfect day, aren't we? Now, where are we going to go to next? I think I think we might go to Western Australia. I think we will. Australia is opening up again. It will be opening up for all of us pretty shortly. So Pernalulu National Park. Oh, do you know it? That's where the Bungle Bungle Rangers are. The Bungle Bungles. Oh, oh if you haven't done that, and I haven't, but it's now on my list too. <laughs> we're going to have, we've got so much stored up that we're going to do. It's going to be like a cork popping out of a champagne bottle, I reckon, by the time we get let loose. It's going to be pop and away we all go. It's going to be terrific. So Pernalulu, it attracts visitors for a whole range of reasons. And it's the sheer grandeur, if you like. of the. You've got a sandstone massive. And that watches, you can watch the colours change. So you'll have a golden colour late in the day and you'll walk through some marvellous gorges. And then if you're really well prepared and you like a long walk, then go to Piccaninny Creek and you can have an overnight camping experience there. And there's other walks. There's a kid in a chasm walk. There's the mini palms walk. Uh, you've got uh, lookouts that you can go to. There's Cathedral Gorge, the Domes Walk, Homestead Gorge, uh, Whip Snake Gorge, that's got to be a goodie, eh? Whip Snake Gorge, <laughs> just to get just to get the fridge magnet that says that I think is worthwhile. And then you've got the Northern Escarpment Walk. Oh, and if you want to find out more, then you go to Trails WA, Trails WA, and that'll give you more information about any of those walks. But Cathedral Gorge Walk, well, that's a class four, so it's a moderate walk. It's about 3K, uh, one to two hours return walk from Piccaninny Creek Car Park, You've got a spectacular gorge that you're going to look at. So that's nice. You've got some camping. There's two campgrounds there in the park. There's the the Waladi, which is nearer to the Domes, uh, Cathedral Gorge and Piccaninny Creek. And that's got separate generator and no generator areas. So generator, a little bit of noise, no generator areas. Uh, much, much darker, much quicker. <laughs> uh, so generators are not permitted at the larger Currajong campground, which is closer to a kid in a chasm, and the mini parks gorge. So you got to, you book up to 180 days in advance. It's normally from the 1st of May through to the 30th of September. And for other periods, then bookings will be available when the seasonal opening and closing of the park is confirmed. And, you know, we're used to this now. We're used to we're used to being locked out of things. So there you go. Uh, and all visitors have to carry their water, their food, their fuel, and their other supplies. So how do you get there? Well, access is for high clearance four wheel drive vehicles with low range gears uh, and single axle high clearance camper trailers and caravans only. So single axle high-clearance camper trailers and caravans only. It's about 60k from the Great Northern Highway via the unsealed Spring Creek track, which is about two hours, depending upon the road conditions at the time. So there you go. I reckon that is just a beauty. Purnalulu National Park in Western Australia. We're going to go to some great places. Now, of course, if you've got a camper trailer or you've got a caravan, then you're going to need, I would think, a water filter. Which water filter do you want? Well, you want the best, don't you? Now, best is B-E-S-T, B.E.S.T. Best. And they're an Australian company, Australian company. So they, they were plumbers, <laughs> the plumbers, and they invented this. So during his plumbing apprenticeship in the 70s, he saw an increased amount of inquiries for filtration systems, and then they started making them. And what they found, what they found that other brands 
uh, were rated to treat 20,000 litres and yet they had to be replaced every six months or 2,000 litres. And so they designed their own. So in the 1990s, they placed their first ad in the Yellow Pages for water filtration. And then business has just gone wacko. So they know what they're doing. So for the RV industry, you need BEST, B-E-S-T. And the best part, the best part, they're Australian made, they're Australian owned. So, you know, that's just terrific. It's the only water filtration business in Australia that supplies, only supplies, to the RV industry. So if you want to do something right for Australia, if you want to do something right for you, then you go to best, bestwaterfilters.com.au, bestwaterfilters.com.au. And while you're dealing with best things, then you need a set of drawers, don't you? You've got to have a set of drawers, maybe for your four-wheel drive, maybe for your ute. And which drawers do we go for? We go for the off-road systems. Off-road systems. Oh, they're fabulous quality. Fabulous quality. They're the four-wheel drive storage specialists. They are the specialists. So whether you're a caravaner or a weekend camper or you're setting up for that really long trip, if you're going to go to Pernalulu, then you're going to need a set of drawers. And off-road systems design their drawers to suit any application, including a drawer system that's integrated with a stainless steel water tank or your cargo barrier or a portable fridge or you need a fridge slide, whatever you want. And they'll do fridge slides right up to the Waco 80 and the 110 litre. So because they create, they actually manufacture, they make their fridge slides. They make their drawer systems right here in Australia. So they're fabulous. Now, what they've got now is the Superlight series. Now, that uses a combination of an aluminium drawer and frame, as well as a highly developed lightweight, waterproof plywood, which dramatically reduces the weight of their already light systems. That doesn't compromise the strength, does not compromise the strength. So you, you've got rising fuel costs, you've got all of that, so you can take all that stress out and you ask for the Superlight series, and they are just terrific. But they will design. Here's the good part. If you talk to off-road systems, they will design the draw system to suit you, and they sell them and supply them all the way around Australia. So if you just contact them, I'll give you the phone number, Get your pencil out, 02-4647-6322. So it's 02-4647-6322. You talk to them, go onto their website, which is offroadsystems.com.au, offroadsystems.com.au. You tell them what you want. They can ship it to you anywhere in Australia. I was in there recently and the set was going out to the far side of Western Australia. The far side, I'm telling you. They are really good. Brilliant, brilliant Aussie gear. And I reckon we need... If you're going to go and you're going to see the beautiful parts of Australia, then you're going to see some stars, aren't you? You are going to see some stars. So what about we get Lonnie Lee to sing for us and he'll sing Starlight, Star Bright. I think you'll enjoy this. I really do. Because you'll just bop along to it, I reckon. Starlight, Star Bright. Hey, Lonnie Lee, this is Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. You know, you can catch us anytime. You can go onto our podcast. If you go onto our website, which is ontheroadmedia.com.au, you just flick through, you'll find podcasts on there. There's 50-odd shows that you can listen to at any time. You can go onto Spotify and find us, On The Road Media, and you can go onto Facebook and find us. So we're on there as well. But if you just go onto ontheroadmedia.com.au, you can find everything you want. Listen to us any time. So that would be just fabulous. We'd love doing it for you. Here we go. Lonnie Lee, Starlight, Star Bright. Yeah. 
Oh, yes, Starlight Star, Bright. Hey, isn't Lonnie League so good? Now, one of the things you've got to talk about when you're talking about good is batteries. Are you, do you have a good battery? Because how you maintain your battery determines basically how long a lifespan you get out of your battery because batteries die. Oh, I know, but batteries do die. So if you don't look after them, uh, so if you let your battery go flat, you let it go flat, You've, you know, you're on your way to killing that battery. You're on your way to killing it. You can recharge it, but generally, if you discharge your battery below about 50% of its capacity, then it, it's on your way to sinking that battery. And, you know, if you've got to buy a new one, battery people know how to charge. <laughs> but, however, they do know how to charge for new batteries. So you've got to look after your batteries. So don't discharge them too far. One of the things to do is to maybe get a trickle charge. You know, I've got one of these. I bought one after I learnt the hard way <laughs> about battery maintenance. So a trickle charger, they're not expensive to buy. They're not. And all it does is it keeps your batteries alive. So when you're not using your vehicle, let's say you're, you're parking it for the weekend or you're parking it for a few days. Now, this could be your car. It could be your four-wheel drive. It could be your, your motorbike. It could be your boat. It could be your caravan, uh, your camper trailer, whatever it be, if it's got a battery in it, then generally you can connect it to a trickle charger. So you plug that in and the trickle charger will, if you like, recondition to a degree your battery. So it'll desulfate it because batteries build up what's called sulfation or sulfate and and that's where the the normal operation the sulfates become crystalline and then it can't be reabsorbed. So when you desulfate, it makes the battery happier, if you like, when it's in storage. So you just plug your little trickle charger in, 
It takes the battery through a whole set of conditionings. It gets rid of the sulfate. It'll desulfate it. You might leave it on for, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. You might leave it on for a long time because once you plug them in, generally, check the one that you buy, but once you plug them in, you won't overcook your battery at all. It, it just gives a little trickle charge every now and then to let the battery know that it can be alive and everything's wonderful. So that's something you might want to consider. Now, the other thing you might want to consider is when should you service your automatic transmission? Because many vehicles today, they say they're a sealed transmission. And people think, well, if it's sealed, then obviously you don't have to change the oil or anything like that. So if you're undecided about what to do, check it out. Because the oil in your transmission, uh, if you run that too hot... If you run it too hot, so let, let me give you an example. If you run it at around about uh, 80 degrees, 80 degrees Celsius, you, in general terms, they reckon you'll get about 120 to 140,000 K out of that. But if you run it, if you double that at about 162 degrees Celsius, you might get less than 1,000 kilometres out of your transmission because you overheat your transmission fluid. And if you do that it's really, really bad for it. So if, you, if you're doing a lot of sand driving and you overheat your transmission, then make sure that you get your, your transmission serviced, get the oil changed in it. And it's not a, it's not a silly thing to do. But you know, the best thing to do is if you get it changed around about every 80,000 K regardless, then that's a nice thing. You know, you're looking after your transmission then and, and because they're expensive. They are expensive. So Changing the oil, yes, that'll cost you money, but nowhere near as much money as having to get a new transmission change. So there's something for you. So the whole thing to do is not overheat your oil. What you want to do is have a cool change. If you're going to have a cool change, then why don't we have a little bit of Little River Band? Now, this was out of Little River Band's medley, which was a Beetle Shorrick Gobble, came out in 2007. It's just a little hint of cool change for you. If there's one thing in my life that's missing It's the time that I spend alone Sailing on the cool and bright clear water Lots of those friendly people Showing me ways to go Staring at the full moon like a Oh, cool change, eh? Absolutely a cool change. Now, when you're talking about change, where would you like to be? There's many of you who would say right now, oh, if we could, if this COVID thing wasn't happening, we'd be in Italy. You don't have to go to Italy to feel that Italian lifestyle. All you do is you jump in your car and you spend 477k from Sydney, 404k from Melbourne, and you go to Griffith. And Griffith is a little piece of Italy. It's in the heart of the Riverina. So it's got an extraordinary statistic. There's 60% of the city's population have got Italian ancestry. 
60%. And, and they celebrate that basically every day. I mean, they have festivals, of course, but every... So if you want wine, oh, the wine, the, what are they call Vineyards. The vineyards, I was going to call them wine fields, but the vineyards down there in the region are massive. If you want pasta, if you want coffee, I'm telling you, they, they compare it to Italy. They don't just say, oh, look, it's as good as Sydney or it's as good as... No, they say this is as good as Italy. So, and you've got that Italian culture and then you've got other cultures that have come in as well now. So it all started from the Murrumbidgee irrigation area. That's that's where it started from. And the irrigation channels and the regular supply of water through the hot summer months, they made the surrounding towns a major producer of rice, of citrus fruits, the, the, the Valencia oranges, well, that's their largest crop. They've got stone fruits, they've got vegetables, they've got wheat, cotton, sheep, wool, eggs, canola, you know all your gherkins, you know the, the pickles that you get in McDonald's? You know those little pickles that some of you really love and some of you don't enjoy so much? They're all grown in the Riverina area, all of them. So Griffiths has got a strong association also with marijuana growing because you, that's a new industry that's happening now where it's it's now becoming a medicine. So nice and easy. So you're 477K from Sydney, you're 404K from Melbourne in 2018. The Weekend Australia magazine ranked Griffith as the most livable country town in New South Wales, the most livable. So, you know, if you're doing nothing and you want to go and find out what you can do, that's where you get. And there's beautiful things down there. The vineyards are amazing. Pioneer Park, you can explore the history of the town and the district. You've got amazing views. If, if you go up to Sir Dudley de Cheers Lookout, you've got views and views and views. There's a place there called the Hermit's Cave. When you go there, check out the story of the Hermit's Cave. An amazing story. Now, it's really not a Hermit's Cave, but you've got to go and check out the story and go and see it because fabulous, just fabulous. So you've got so many things to do, so many things to see. Uh, you've got, you've got uh, the, the Pioneer Park Museum, well, you could spend a day just in that museum. It's about 2K northeast of town. And it's just, they've got 40 uh, replicated buildings of, of the district. So, yeah, they've got space, but the museums, it's a huge repository for so many valuable pieces. And there's special exhibitions on textiles. There's a wedding dress collection from around the 1910s to recent times. You've got agricultural equipment there. You've got uh, specialist building history there. You've got wine and irrigation history that's all there. There's a souvenir shop, of course. You've got to have some souvenirs. But it's just, it's a history. If you want to go there... It's a history. So, yeah, that Hermit's Cave I was telling you about, that story, when you go there, you've got to find out the story. I could tell you the story, but it wouldn't be as much fun as when you go there, you finding out. But during World War II, Australian security became convinced uh, that there was um, spying going on down there. Oh, it's just so much fun. It's a really good story. But Griffith now has got about 52,000 people. So I mentioned you've got the Italian... It's the second highest Italian heritage outside of Melbourne. So Melbourne's number one in Australia for Italian heritage. Then you've got Griffith. So you've got granite sculptures down there. You've got, there's a wine train. There's so much wine that's created down there. There's a wine train that leaves Griffith headed for export every day. It's, it's the home to the fastest wine bottling line in the world. They're capable of doing 36,000 bottles. You think of that, 36,000 thousand bottles 
an hour. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> Good fat. I think that's terrific. So, Griffith, you've got to put that on your list. Now, another thing you've got to put on your list, and this came through, a friend of mine sent me this today, and he said, Scotty, you've got to be aware of this. You've got to be aware of it. And it's all about what's called sudden cardiac arrest. And, and the way that you can maybe save your life, someone you love, life, uh, maybe, maybe you are just um, near somebody who has a heart attack and if they're having a heart attack and you've got a defib with you, then maybe you can save a life. And how good would that be? Maybe you've got the defib with you and someone needs it to save your life. Now, you know, it's going to happen where these things are going to become more and more popular because you're seeing them in clubs and you're seeing them in caravan parks. But it, it turns out that you need to get this to someone uh, within about three minutes of their collapse. So if you've got it in your car and you know how to use it, then that's going to make the difference. So you've got, you can get the latest defib technology, uh, you, you can get it all. So the best thing to do, it, and they're so compact, they're so compact, but you've got to have one of these in, in your car, in your RV, wherever you are, I would suggest to you, it's likely that you're going to save a life. So, you know, we know that someone has to um, immediately recognise that a person has suffered a cardiac arrest. Someone has to call an ambulance. You need a defibrillator there and you need someone who knows how to use it. The ambulance arrives and the success rate of that person surviving is just dramatically increased because someone had a defib. And they're not that dear. Um, they're not that dear. To save a life, how much would you pay to save a life? Well, you can get them for under $2,000. You can get them for over $2,000. But all you've got to do is go to Bill Ashford. So write down this number, write down this number, Bill Ashford, on 0439-421-870. I'll give it to you again. So get your pencil handy. 0439-421-870. His name's Bill Ashford, and he knows more about these things than I think anybody else in the world. I would think he's that good. So you talk to him, and maybe you can save a life. Maybe it's someone you know, maybe it's someone you don't know, but whatever it is, you're going to feel good and they're going to feel great. I think that's a, a terrific thing to do. What do you reckon? You reckon that's a terrific thing to do? I reckon it is. I reckon another terrific thing to do is if we have a bit of a song. What about a song? What would you like? What would you like? Well, I hate to be a little bit punny, but I'm going to do it. If, if You're going to need one of these defib machines and you're going to call Bill Ashford and you're going to give him a call on 0439 421870. Otherwise, we're going to play Max Merritt and the Meteors slipping away. And we don't want you slipping away, but Max Merritt and the Meteors do that really well. Here we go. Max Merritt and the Meteors slipping away.
Uh, Max Merritt, the meteor is slipping away. I know he's from New Zealand, but he spent so much time in Aussie, I think we adopted him, didn't we? I think we did. <laughs> now, what about getting away? What about getting away? Not just slipping away, but getting away. So one of the things to remember, if you've got a winch or you've got an air compressor, is to make sure that when you're running them, that you're actually running your engine as well. Don't try and run those things and pump up all your tyres or winch yourself out of a problem and not have your engine running because you'll just... You'll, you'll kill your unit. You'll just kill your unit. That came to us unsealed four by four. Did a whole thing on that, but that's the pricey of it. So the interesting thing is, if you're using one of those big electric devices like a winch or like your compressor, make sure you've got your engine running to keep yourself charged up while you're doing it because they pull out a lot of power. Now, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Well, if you're near Sydney, there's some beautiful places you can go. If you just want to have a little escape, the Colo River. Oh, do you know about the Colo River? It's an hour and a half northwest. So that's from about Parramatta. It's regarded as the last pristine river in New South Wales. And again, Unsealed by 4x4 tell us all about this because there's plenty of camping to be done in the area as well as some great four-wheel drive tracks that you would just love to drive on. One of the better campgrounds in the area is the Upper Colo Reserve, but you'll need to book a spot beforehand because, uh, you know, that gets pretty popular. Uh, it costs about $12 for the adults and $10 for the children, and if you arrive without a booking, then you need to pay more. That'll be $18 for an adult and $13 for a child if they've got space for you. So, you know, you're taking that risk yourself. But the Upper Colo Reserve, it's closed from about uh, the 10th of June to the 1st of September, so you're in luck. It's open now ready to go. Uh, and other spots that you can stay in the area, well, that would be Weenie Creek. Now, Weenie Creek is W-H-E-E-N-Y, Weenie Creek Campground. Or there's a privately owned Bellany Camp. That's B-I-E-L-A-N-Y, Bellany Camp. And that's for four-wheel drivers. But the, the area has got plenty of tracks to explore throughout the Colo area. And there's the G's Arm, G's, G-E-E-S, Arm South Trail. And that's one of the best known tracks. It's a technical track, it's got rock steps and you'll likely need to build a track, you, um, you'll maybe need a winch, uh, it's not something that you take your standard vehicle there. So what do you need? Well depending upon how serious the tracks are that you want to tackle, well you'll need a, obviously a four-wheel drive with a complete recovery kit and a decent set of tyres and, uh, and make sure that if you want to stay at either Bellini Camp or the Upper Colo Reserve that you do book in advance or take your money with you and hope that there is space for you. So there's one. The Abercrombie River National Park. Oh, that's a goodie. So it's about three and a half hours west of Sydney. It's the Abercrombie River National Park. It's home to some of the most diverse campgrounds and some of the best four-wheel drive tracks in New South Wales. The, it's got four main campgrounds in the area. You've got Bummeroo Ford, Silent Creek, The Sink, and the beach. Uh, so the beach is pretty popular. It's located down a steep trail, so it keeps away the two-wheel drives and it keeps away the all-wheel drives. So if you've got a, a low-range four-wheel drive, then that's terrific. And then you've got some water crossings that can get deep after rain, and it gets its name by being next to a sandy stretch by the water. So further upstream from the campground, there's a water hole. Oh, that's nice. And that's ideal for swimming in. And there's plenty of tracks throughout the National Park. So you can go exploring. But one of the best is the challenge is Bald Hill Trail. It's one of the steepest tracks in the area. So that's called Abercrombie. So due to its steepness, one of some things you need is you do need a four-wheel drive with low range or at least something with good hill descent control. That's a must. An air compressor. 
a tyre deflator to go with a decent set of all-terrains or mud-terrain rubber to make sure that you stay out of trouble. And for camping, you need to bring your own supplies, so bring your firewood in. And, and that's just, that's Abercrombie. I think you'll, you know, if you've got something rugged, <laughs> you take it there, you'll have some fun. Rydal, R-Y-D-A-L, Rydal. Uh, the whole area basically there is called Rydal, but in terms of camping, there's several options. You, you, can, you can camp on the banks of Lake Lyle, Lake Lyle, L-Y-E-L-L, uh, or you can camp on Lake Wallace or Lidsdale or Marangaroo National Park. You've got countless tracks in the area and you can, you can put you and you can put your machinery to the test. And there's a couple that really stand out, including Mount Walker, and Unimog Hill. Now, Unimog Hill was named, so the story goes, because the Australian Army uh, used to train their drivers to test out their Unimogs there, so that's good. So if you're going to conquer either Mount Walker or Unimog Hill, then you'll need something with a very big lift and large aggressive tyres and lockers and the recovery kit, as well as probably a few mates along the way to help you with spotting or track building. So that's a little bit more on the challenge side. Then you've got Turon National Park, Turon, T-U-R-O-N, Turon National Park. And that, that's an excellent base for you. It's got so many tracks around it. You've got Sunny Corner, which is fabulous. And then just south, you've got Pinnacle Fire Trail and Ben Bullen, which is great. And then Turon National Park. It's got two main campsites located on the river. You've got the Woolshed Flat and the diggings, and they're known for their trout fishing, so that's good. And both campgrounds are ordinarily accessible with all-wheel drive vehicles, so you know you don't necessarily need low range. However, after some rain, it can get a bit boggy and the river crossings can get steep, so if you don't have low range, uh, then you might be camping for a little bit longer than you thought. But Turon National Park, is it's about two and a half hours northwest of Sydney. It's not, it's not the closest, but two and a half hours is a nice little drive. It's got some spectacular scenery. Oh, beautiful, beautiful scenery. And Ben Bullen, uh, the trail there, it's known for its steep climbs and rocky sections. So your best advice to have a bit of extra ground clearance if you've got it, some decent tyres again before. Tyres are so important, aren't they? It doesn't matter where you go, you need them because they're the only thing keeping you from the ground. And, and then there's Sunny Corner to Capiti. Oh, beautiful spots, beautiful spots. And, and the last part of that is a 45k drive through the Turon National Park. So, and after it rains, it's best to give that track a little bit of a miss because there's lots of water crossings on there. So what do you need for that one? Well, the Ben Bullen Trail, it's steep, it's rocky. It can prove to be slippery if the weather's wrong. So again, you do need those good tyres. Um, the soft rotors, I don't think, would be any good on, on those tracks. Yango National Park, Y-E-N-G-O. Yango National Park, we'll give you one more before we go. It's a, Or before we go for this segment anyway. So it's a little more than two hours north of Sydney. It's, it's Yango National Park. It's home to some great campsites. You've got terrific four-wheel drive tracks, really enjoyable. Well, the two main campsites in the National Park are Blue Gums, and the Mountain Arm, neither are free. They cost about $17 to $20 per adult a night and about $8.50 to $10 a child per night. Uh, and you've got a book. So you've got Howes Trail, H-O-W-E-S. That's one of the four-wheel drive tracks in the area. It's one of the entrances into the National Park. Uh, the track in the dry isn't too difficult. And some uh, all-wheel drive soft rotors with good clearance. So if you've got something like a Subaru Forester or whatever, then uh, that will be better. But a big four-wheel drive, well, that would be much better in the wet. And then you can do the big Yango Loop Trail. So that'd be nice. It's the other main track in the area. 
and it's accessible to those that pay and stay at one of the campgrounds because it's got a locked gate access. It's slightly more challenging. It's got some washed out sections of track to negotiate. However, it's not regarded as being overly difficult. Now, if you haven't joined a four-wheel drive club, then join a four-wheel drive club. Consider do- If you've got a four-wheel drive, then consider joining a four-wheel drive club because there's so many benefits that come out of it. Apart from them teaching you what your vehicle can do so that you don't hurt it, uh, you've got so much camaraderie going on as well. Even though you've got this COVID thing happening, the four-wheel drive clubs, they can still get out, they can still do things. It's really, really exciting. And the kids, the kids will love it as well. So you'll have a great time. Now, don't forget, if you're going to do any of that and, you, and, and you're worried about, gee, what can I do now? What's a nice thing that I can go and do for myself? You might want to buy some equipment. You might want to buy some terrific machinery. And if you're going to buy machinery, then where do you go? Well, you go to our friends at Hare and Forbes. That's H-A-R-E-A-N-D, Forbes. If you want to go to their website, Machinery House, machineryhouse.com.au. Oh, they're good. And they're all over Australia. But they've got terrific specials. They've got specials all the time. But if you've got big machinery that you want real stuff, oh, then you just go on and have a look at what you can get from Hare and Forbes. Because if you're really doing a rebuild or anything like that, oh, they can help you. So Hare and Forbes, but machineryhouse.com.au, machineryhouse.com.au. And don't forget, if you're going to put some drawers in the back of your vehicle, you've got to go to Off-Road Systems. That's offroadsystems.com.au. And if you're going to go four-wheel driving, if you're doing that, then you're probably going with some mates. If you're going to go with some mates, at the end of the day, you're going to sit down, you're probably going to cook a meal, and you're going to have a drink. And who are you going to have a drink with? you probably have a drink with Duncan. What do you reckon? Hey, a little bit of Slim Dusty? Have a drink with Duncan. Here he comes now. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. We are on the road. And if all that information I just gave you, if I was a little bit quick on that and you want to hear that all again, you can. Just go onto the podcast of the show. So you go to the website, ontheroadmedia.com.au, and you just run through the little things there until you get to podcast. Click that. You pick out the show that you want. And there's 50 plus shows. So you can do that. Go into our Facebook, On The Road Media. Go on to Spotify, On The Road Media. Hey, you'll find us. We're there for you. And we're all around Australia. We're on the vast satellite network. So we go national. We go all around the place. So if you want to send just the link to some of your friends who are, say, in Western Australia or Tasmania or South Australia or Queensland or wherever they are, you just send them the link and they can listen to the shows from the podcast or they can listen to the shows from the website. So in the meantime, why don't we have a drink with Duncan? Here he comes now for you. I love to have a beer with Duncan. I love to have a beer with Duncan. We drink in moderation. We never, ever, ever get rolling drunk We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Duncan Cos Duncan's me mate, yeah I love to have a beer with Colin I love to have a beer with Colin We drink in moderation And it doesn't really matter if he brings his doll We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Colin, cos Colin's me mate. Mm. I love to have a beer with Kevin, oh, I love to have a beer with Kevin. We drink in moderation, and he drives me home in his big old ship. We drink at the town and country, 
where the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Kevin, cause Kevin's me mate. I love to have a beer with Patrick, I love to have a beer with Pat. We drink in moderation, and it wouldn't really matter if the beer was flat. We drink at the town and country, where the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Patrick, cause Patrick's me mate. Change key. I love to have a beer with Robert I love to have a beer with Bob We drink in moderation Just one more and back on the job We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Robert Cause Robert's me mate I love to have a beer with Duncan Oh, I love to have a beer with Duncan We drink in moderation and we never, ever, ever get rolling drunk. We drink at the town and country where the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Duncan, cause Duncan's me, mate. I love to have a beer with Duncan, cause Duncan's me, mate. One more. Uh, did you have a drink with Duncan? Did you? <laughs> no, I did. I like having a little drink with Duncan. I do. Now, what about Tweed Heads? Eh? It's right on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. It's on the New South Wales side, so you can go there. It's called Twin Towns. It's the Twin Towns of Tweed Heads being on the New South Wales side and Coolangatta being on the other side, the Queensland side. And I think, I think we're going to be opening up, hopefully, pretty soon. Hopefully, because I know everybody in New South Wales, with Christmas coming up, can you believe it? With Christmas coming up, you can't believe we're saying that already, but we are. So with Christmas coming up, you've got all of New South Wales bottled up, ready to head north again. And I know the Victorians, once they're allowed out, they're just going to head north as well. So it's, it's, you've got the twin towns there. So in the complex tapestry of suburbs and towns, that's, it's called the city of the Gold Coast, believe it or not. But twin heads, tweed heads is the anomaly because it is on the New South Wales side. And, and it's, it's just a, a beautiful place. If you haven't been there... It's beautiful. Now, here's the funny part. If you're on the New South Wales side in summertime, then the clock is totally different to when you cross the border onto Queensland time because the Queensland side has never embraced daylight saving. So if you're going up there at Christmas time, just be aware, if you cross the border, the clock has changed. But the Tweed Shire, it's huge. It occupies the entire Tweed River Valley, and that's bounded on the um, by the ocean on the east, the McPherson Range to the north, the Tweed Range to the west, the Burringbar Range to the south, and the Nightcap Range to the southeast. But in reality, oh, this is where it gets really good. It's centred on the remnant of an 80 kilometre wide, think of that, 80 kilometres wide, extinct shield volca- volcano. So it's lava flows which spread across Mount Morning at Bawillambar, it became known as Australia's Green Cauldron because the Tweed River slowly meanders through the valley before discharging into the Pacific Ocean of Tweed Heads. But on the northern side of the river's estuary is a high remnant volcano headland known as Point Danger. And the southern headland is the northern tip of Fingal Head. So apart from the Tweed River, there's also the Terranora Creek, and that's a wide body of water with a number of small islands and branches off the river just inside the estuary, and it winds its way through the urban sprawl. But the Tweed Shire, it stretches about 30k or 37k 
of, of coastline, which is, it's, oh, it's characterised beautifully. You've got sandy beaches, you've got low headlands, and tourism is very, very dominant. But you've got beautiful produce up there. You've got commercial fishing, you've got the hinterland, you've got the bananas that they grow, the sugar they grow, the avocados, the tomatoes, beautiful fresh vegetables. And they go to the Brisbane markets as well. So it's about 822k from Sydney. If you shoot up the Pacific Highway, it's about 104k south of Brisbane, down the Pacific Highway, and it's about five metres above sea level, and it's it's regarded as the southern extremity of the Gold Coast. So it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. So if you get a chance to go there, then do it. And when you do it, you've got some beautiful things to see. You can walk from Boat Harbour around the headland. You can go to the Captain Cook Memorial lighthouse and although that's it's technically in Coolangatta but both the Centaur Memorial and the Captain Cook Memorial Lighthouse are an integral part of the walk from Boat Harbour and therefore part of the experience of Tweed Heads but by any conventional measure the Captain Cook Memorial Lighthouse it dates back from 1971 looks nothing like a lighthouse it's constructed as four concrete columns each marked with major points of the compass and you've got bronze sculptures it's just fabulous fabulous You'll sometimes see dolphins there. You will see them out to sea, of course. And there's beautiful views all the way through to surface paradise down to Byron Bay, um, north of the headland. The beach is continuous. Oh, it's lovely. But the Coolangatta Centaur Memorial and Walk of Remembrance, that's something you've got to see. It's a little known fact that the Japanese Navy, uh, in the shape of submarines, were very active off the Queensland and the, and the Australian coasts. And it was 41 Allied and Australian naval and merchant ships were sunk off the coast during World War Two, I tell you, when you see this, you will you'll tear up. You'll tear up. You'll realise how much pain and strain. Like we we talk about this COVID thing, where we've been, you know, recessed, if you will, for a few months. This was World War Two, where you know, gee, you went from thirty nine to forty five, and you just didn't know what was going on, when it was going to end, what was happening, and people would leave and not come back. Everyone, so brave, so brave. So, you know, that's what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to appreciate how much freedom that we have in this beautiful, beautiful nation. We've got to get out and see it. We've got to do all of that. So we're coping, and we're all coping in different ways, aren't we? And I think that's what Darren Hamlin says when he does this song. So I'm going to say goodbye for today. I love being with you. This show is called On The Road. You can find us again. You can go on to ontheroadmedia.com.au. You'll find us on Spotify, on the road media. You'll find us on Facebook. And if you know somebody that really enjoys caravanning and seeing Australia and getting out there in the RV lifestyle, then you flick them the link. You know, let them know that they can listen to the show and there's 50-odd programs on there, all on podcasts. So you can listen to the show anywhere and learn so much more about this beautiful nation. But in the meantime, I want you to look after yourselves, have a great time, and remember we do all cope in different ways. Here's Darren Hanlon. I played this for you last week. The response was so good. I love being with you. You are fabulous. My name's Scott Gibbons. The show is on the road, and we'll see you on the road. Here's Darren Hanlon. I had a groundbreaking idea, but I forgot to write it down. Now every thought starts to distort and they chase themselves around Every concept loses meaning when you look at it too long And today's amazing line becomes tomorrow's awful song Well, time's longer than rope, I once heard somebody say 
There's nowhere to tie the end onto, so I just float away. And it's been three weeks since I've seen the cheeks of friends I was goodbye kissing. So I feed the magpie mince and hope he'll stay a while to listen. We all cope in different ways. So don't be too hard on yourself. A hopeless string of empty days. Life standing on an arctic shelf. Staring deep into the void. Of your undiscovered mind Searching desperately to find Some comfort from the malaise We all cope in different ways We now watch the kind of films Our former selves would not believe Old DVDs of Keanu Reeves And we sneeze into our sleeves I make calls to my great auntie, file tax ten quarters old But each receipt reminds me of when we were free and bold Then I got lost in Jane Austen, a posthumous work persuasion She's the early 1800s poster girl for isolation Her characters claim love if from some wealthy socialite But Jane retained a single life and stayed at home to write we all cope in different ways So don't be too hard on yourself A hopeless string of empty days Lie standing on an arctic shelf Staring deep into the void Of your undiscovered mind Searching desperately to find Some comfort from the malaise we all cope in different ways They say the world's been granted This chance for collective zen but I keep refreshing to find more death in my heart, it breaks again. But statistics are just fish sticks without the human faces. How can I empathize with all the lives that each number embraces? When the behaviors of my own neighbors are making me suspicious, they prance around all over town like mobile petri dishes. So I lock the doors and windows and pull the blinds to make a blinker. I become my own worst nightmare, anti-social overthinker. But we all cope in different ways. So don't be too hard on yourself. A hopeless string of empty days. Lie standing on an arctic shelf. Staring deep into the void. Of your undiscovered mind If you're lucky you might find Some comfort from the malaise We all cope in different ways